Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. Well, joining me today is Sarah Blake of Earthology. You're very welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, first of all. How did you get going with Earthology and sustainability, which is your area of expertise? Okay, so Earthology was born out of, I suppose, people asking me and saying to me, you know so much about this. Why don't you do something that you can have a wider impact. So my background is actually human resources, uh, recruitment, talent management, uh, coupled with horticulture. So about five years ago, I did the Royal Horticultural Society exams um, in the UK and uh, thought that I wanted to be a garden designer, actually. Um, And then this led to more of a kind of learning in biodiversity and our kind of local flora flora and fauna. And then somebody said to me, why don't you marry the two things? You know very much about the zero waste movement. Have you heard of that? Where people are trying to put all their trash in like one little jam jar. Um, I've seen that on on Facebook. It's very impressive. I don't think I can do it. But (laughs) no, and I'm I'm not there yet, uh, for sure. But uh, we definitely have cut down. It's the soft plastic, I think, with everybody that, that, that really prevents you from doing that. Once you start refilling your jars and, you know, your washing liquid and things like that it's 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 pretty easy to get it right down um so yeah and then i suppose then companies started saying to me oh we don't really have a strategy can you come in and look at our waste energy water and i think as much as it's about that it's about the wider thing of community governance those kind of things so that's how we started and uh you know we go into talks workshops and strategy for anyone who's interested in starting that journey. So would you say the will is there to do something for the environment in the wider sense, but people just are floundering and they don't know where to start? Yeah, I think it's it's like it's like going on a diet. You have all this conflicting information about what you should be doing and one minute it's this and the next minute it's that. And then people just get so paralyzed, they just don't do anything. Um, and the same comes with recycling, I think, as well. I think the key thing is is to start and to start somewhere and sometimes that's really small it doesn't have to be a big action especially when it comes to to companies and lots of people who started even just with the keep cups and the water bottles and those kind of things and then that kind of comes round to the wider things of energy waste water and those kind of things as well and even heating i mean it can be in your own interest to do something about Absolutely. your lighting your in, you know your insulation and you know, just to save a bit of money for yourself so it can be in your interest to do it as well absolutely yeah we did a kind of deep retrofit our house about four years ago and it's absolutely incredible we're very lucky that we have a south facing um we're south facing house so it it just heats up during the day and then once it's hot it retains the heat and we don't need to do anything so translate for those of us who don't know what does deep retrofit mean it sounds like something getting a vintage (laughs) it does it does but i suppose it means you know doing all the bells and whistles that you can to make your house sustainable so like what that could be um insulation could be putting in uh, like a completely new floor where you normally have wooden floorboards and then a big gap between you and then the the soil, you know, putting in um, underfloor heating and putting in geothermal to get the heat into the house, doing the proper insulation. So that's windows, doors, then putting in heating, you know, attic insulation, those kind of things. Like it can be done at a really basic level that will have a huge impact on your bills as well. Is it not very expensive to do up front or is there any help to get there that stuff are, done? Yeah, the SEAI have lots of grants um, for people and it certainly does take the sting out of the cost and then it's just working out how I think we're probably on a 10 year run to kind of you know make sure that we have the return on investment there Um, so then we'll be free of that and then we'll yeah be almost self-sufficient which is great. 
self-sufficient in your own house <laughs> <laughs> yes and then we just have the potager at the back and the garden yeah <laughs> it's on my to-do list <laughs> so tell me you, you you went to Cambridge I believe to to study uh, sustainability leadership what was that like and how long did that take yeah so actually that was a very um, it was a pretty short course actually um, it's run by the Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership they have a couple of courses and um, they are run uh, through their online portal actually so it's it's a global course and I am currently on a group of like about 150 people on a global WhatsApp group it's just incredible where people are throwing things at you every day does anybody know about this can we do about this what can we do about that can we collaborate here I've got a great idea it's an amazing group um, and it's it's really inspiring Uh, and there's breakout groups for fashion for retail for industry for um, construction and it's just brilliant to be able to get that kind of you know everybody's different thoughts on it but also what people are doing in different countries because it's not just purely about what we're doing here and people's ideas are sparking off each other I mean I was over in London Mm. um, last weekend and I couldn't believe how many clothes shops were closing down and in every clothes shop that was open there was a recycle place to bring your clothes it was all about being green and not having plastic Mm -hmm. like the message is really getting down to to, you know the, the, the consumer level when absolutely. it comes to fast fashion. Yeah, yeah. I think people are starting to realise, like even my kids absolutely love going to charity shops. They are they're all over it. They're like, oh, and I found this great thing. And then we went to the Zero Waste. We went to a Zero Waste Festival, which was held in uh, Trinity, where they had the plastics exhibition. Um, and, and the science gallery there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually the plastics exhibition, I think it's finished this week. Um, but it, absolutely brilliant, amazing things that they had got from all over Europe. Um, and the Zero Waste community are absolutely absolutely brilliant at giving people just great ideas to, to get started and all you do is you just bring some clothes that you don't need you get a couple of tokens you can pick up some things that you might like so it's mind you idea. I see your kids have thrown the like mine they love going to pennies as well <laughs> and they get a basket and they just fill it up and it's like 10 euros at the counter like it's yeah you know it, it really we really need a big rethink don't we absolutely yeah I think it's you know the the problem with fast fashion is it's, is it's so cheap as well and and, and it's so accessible then to kids that age even with pocket money which you know my kids obviously do know it's wrong on a number of levels um but yeah they can't resist or they get you know I suppose, given a voucher for their birthday and that kind of thing. But they also know that there is more value, I think, in popping along to Vincent de Paul and they can get like a pair of jeans and a top for less than a fiver, you know. So mm. I suppose there's another that. thought, though, when you think if you're giving money to Bangladesh or one of these countries where they do create the fashion, that there mm. is some transfer of funds going to them as well. Yeah, but I suppose, again, it's about um, there's actually an app called Good On You and you can look into that app and have a look and see, OK, so is H&M, River Island, you know, what's their rating for, for that uh, company? And there's also another called uh, Ethical Consumer, uh, which is absolutely brilliant because it goes down to the kind of slave trade and that kind of thing. It breaks it down for you as to maybe who's better to shop with, where it's best to spend your money. Um, so yeah, there are things out there that can guide you in that instance. For example, Marks and Spencer's about, I think it must be five or six years ago now, they Im- implemented something called Plan A, which was basically to drive sustainability across their businesses and to look at making all of their cotton kind of organically sourced where possible. Um, I think most 
businesses now have an organic cotton range or a sustainable cotton range, but it's still like a very small minority of their of, of their clothing. So it certainly needs to be brought more commonplace. But now the issue is how to source that because uh, it's just not there. Yeah, yeah. Tell me um, about you. Just to go back to about your course in sustainability. Mm. Um, you know, why did you decide to do it? And did you, what were the maybe the three big things learnings that you learned from the course? My learnings, I think, were key that actually collaboration is really going to be the way forward. No one person, government, country can solve this. We need everyone working together across across the world to solve this. So it could be your clients, your suppliers. It could be individuals. Individual change is, is like definitely going to make a difference. And I think so many people think that their actions don't. But uh, to quote uh, Greta Thunberg, like every action matters and what you do matters. Every action counts. And, and don't let anyone tell you that it doesn't just because China have big emissions and so do the states. Like actually China now are going to be one of the biggest producers of solar panels. Um, and if you look at some of the efforts they are doing, it's actually, you know, it's even much bigger than what the UK are doing. So you know, can they turn it around in the next 10 years? I certainly hope so. And it looks like that way at the moment. But how does how do countries cope when they're their, their leader or their president is a climate denier? I mean, do, do people on the ground still work away despite what their senior leadership might think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the rhetoric that we see coming out of the US can certainly be um, yeah, disheartening, I think. But when you look at... Um, Frightening even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think if you look at... Um, the likes of the B Corps, and we touched on that earlier, but a B Corporation is like a... Tell us what a B Corp is. Yeah, so B Corps are, um, it's it's like a standard um, to adhere to. And uh, if you go through the process, you are looking at your company as a whole. Um, it's it's like... Aligning. So does a company get accreditation? They as get a an accreditation, okay. yeah, you become part of a community. Um, it's been proven that I think it's certainly uh, Generation Z and millennials will certainly want to w- work for B Corp accredited companies, um, something like 20% more. They get something like 20% more applications um, from graduates to, to work for B Corps. Um, I think we have four or five B Corps here now in Ireland, but I know... Any that you can think of? Well, Urban Vault is, is one of them. Um, and Urban Vault do a great thing with LED lighting. So they go into a company and they um, they help you to get LED lighting in with no extra cost. They take on board the cost and then they um, charge you back with the savings that you get. So it's why is great. LED lighting good? I suppose because you know it's eighty percent more uh, efficient than your regular light bulbs. Um, so, so you're not using as much energy. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a it's a no brainer for most companies. It's the first thing I think a lot of people do um, when they're looking at their sustainability journey. What can we do? It's LED lighting because that makes a big impact for management because it brings down the cost. So they instantly see uh, their return on investment, um, and then also it's it's a big impact from a carbon footprint point of view. Any other B companies that we might know? Uh, Danone um, certainly have got uh, one of their places down in, uh, I think it's Tip, uh, have been accredited. And then uh, Moy Coffee, um, or Moyi Coffee, because uh, they're a Dutch company. Um, but they have uh, B Corp certification now as well. So it means that when you buy Moy Coffee, you know that it's been blockchain gone straight back to the farmer. So the farmer gets the the proper price for the coffee um, and it's been grown sustainably and sustainably sourced. So, okay. um, Any other takeaways from your course in Cambridge? Mm, I suppose 
the key thing, yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely working with with everybody, um, but it's also to not worry if you're starting small. You can start small and dream big about having radical actions. I think a lot of people are worried that their employees won't like change or um, that it's difficult to drive change or we got in keep cups, but then people didn't didn't like the fact that they had to clean them or, you know, yeah, it's small things, but then they get really disheartened that this is, you know, people aren't on board with it. So I would say the key thing is to start small, but dream big. And maintain those little starts and don't yeah, give up too easy. Don't give up too easy because yeah, you will come up against um, you know management. Why do we have to? You know, like, what's the point of this? But I think it's to demonstrate that there is a massive return on investment. Um, there is an estimate that the green economy is going to be worth something like thirty-six trillion dollars. Um, so that's opportunities in the green market. So be that for companies like Urban Vault or for um, companies selling sustainable wares, those kind of things. Like there's just huge opportunity out there for people who take that opportunity to be more sustainable in their business. I was at an event um, about sustainability in uh, PwC mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over even the way um, the, the the uh, chief executive or the, the lead partner was saying his kids are telling him you've got to be dad you've got to be more sustainable and he cycles around Dublin you know mm-hmm. it's the head of PwC yeah you know so everybody's getting the message and they're getting it from you know up and down exactly. from grandparents and getting it from children and grandchildren yeah so and, yeah and, you know I think the likes of uh, Greta Thunberg what age is she and she's been such a leading light are, are women generally good in this leadership area I think they are. I think they're going to be key drivers of this. I mean, Greta has obviously sparked um, a huge movement. If you look at the Fridays for Future, um, we have our own uh, Flossie, Flossie and the Beach Cleaners. She's been doing great work, um, you know, doing beach cleans and raising the profile, I think, as well. Um, And we actually have, I mean, the 157 uh, kids that went into the doll there in November to debate the issues. I mean, I watched that. I streamed it live. I was just it was absolutely amazing. um, Can you still watch that? I'm sure it's supposed to be online I, I'm somewhere. I'm not is it? sure if it's still available, but like, there's definitely sound bites from it. Um, but it was amazing, and I met last week a guy whose son was at it as well, and that's exactly how he started on his journey because his son said to him, "Like, Dad, we can do we can do more of this." And even actually, AIB had a sustainability event. Gosh, I think it was back in. Uh, Back in September, yeah, yeah. Now and they had an amazing lineup of speakers. But um, I suppose even Colin Hunt said, "Look, you know, my kids are asking me, like, you know, what what's the, the, the issue here with Nutella and what, you know, you know, because it's got palm oil in it." So, oh, okay, um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's obviously affecting all the different areas, and I suppose it's also, you know in terms of change within companies, you know, you do have people saying, oh, where's my keep cup and all this kind of thing. And yet they're still ordering from the likes of Boohoo and all this kind of stuff from China. So there's definitely a disconnect where people just need to be educated. And I think once people have the information, um, they are going to be those agents of change themselves. And who else would you say other female leaders might be in this area? Yeah, I suppose our own uh, Mary Robinson is uh, very preeminent in this she area. She was ahead of the curve, really, wasn't she? And climate she justice, really was. Yeah. And her book is amazing. If anybody gets a chance to read it, um, the Climate Justice book, it's it's incredible. And it talks about how, 
you know, we really need to talk about a just transition here because we do have, you know, we are going to have all of these people. We talk about the peat bogs. We talk about people in the car industry. There's going to be a lot of change and it's going to come very quickly. So we're going to need to see how we can reskill those people to make this a just transition. Um, and also how, you know, at the moment we don't see it so much in Ireland. There's all these countries, you know, far flung countries around the world. And to us, you know, even Australia, it seems far away, but I'm sure most people will know somebody or have had somebody affected by... I think the images of those forests burning really hit home with people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually a leader in the Girl Guides and uh, they ran a, um, a little Good Turns week where they donated their money from their Good Turn and it's gone off to be used in Australia to help you know the koalas and the, the, the wildlife over there so there's definitely a movement and people it's more tangible now to people I think uh, but we really need to focus on you know making those changes and not being afraid I think to make make changes there is a big fear factor in it isn't it I just want to stick with the women leadership mm. piece first of all. you met, um you mentioned Mary Robinson Greta Thunberg anybody else that yeah we know? I suppose there's uh, there's a huge amount of uh, women who are kind of um, spearheading this, but uh, Christiana Figueres as well, who um, is in the UN, uh, she's she's doing amazing work in the space. I think, you know, for us, when we see Mary Robinson, it's definitely, we can own that one a bit more. We, you know, she was actually at a conference yesterday and um, her key takeaways, actually, which she talks about in the book are, you know, if you want to take action, the first thing you need to do is get angry get angry that people aren't doing enough that you know why are we in this situation we need to do to do more um make it personal uh make people you know when you start taking small actions with your keep cup water bottle whatever it might be or oh i just got my house retrofitted and it's amazing how much money we're saving um it doesn't really matter how the message comes across other than that it's a positive one um and then she talks about i suppose you know getting change into organizations and imagining the world like imagine you know the school run without carbon fumes i think um is it over in malahide now there's a school where they've said no parking outside the school in fact everybody needs to walk or cycle as much as they can and they've noticed that the nox emissions um outside the school that the kids and even the mum and dads are breathing in has has gone right down now potentially we're pushing that round the corner to another area but you can get the premise there of of these positive actions and what our world would look like Another place to think about going to is actually um, Cool Planet up in Powers Court. Um, it's a great interactive uh, centre where you can take you know, kids, people, you know, companies can go there and it helps you to imagine the world which we will live in when we have got more wind turbines, cleaner air, better waste management, all this kind of stuff. So it's actually... It's Is a that Powers Court thing. in Wicklow now or in the city centre? Yeah, no, in Wicklow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up by the hotel. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good, I mean, it's it's a great little interactive. You go and measure your carbon footprint at the beginning and then it takes you through a whole journey of what you can do about it rather than being paradise. It talks about food waste, talks about energy, talks about all the individual actions, but also about, you know, company level stuff that people can do. I was talking to somebody recently in the food uh, industry area and they were saying actually packaging is shouldn't get such a bad rap because it actually helps um, you know, stop food wastage, mm-hmm. that there would be an awful lot more wastage and the, the wastage in the third world where they don't have all this packaging mm. is huge. But there's that, I mean, I remember shopping years ago and there was no plastic around everything and yeah. I actually don't like buying stuff with loads of plastic. I'd much rather go to a green grocer's or a vegetable shop and just buy them, just put them in a bag. But the two that I used to go to are now closed. Yeah, I mean, so I think... what do you do? Yeah, I think... 
It's coming back. Um, I mean, certainly there are places across um, the city and in like Cork as well, Limerick. I know there are plenty of places where you can go bring your own containers. They have loose vegetables. They have um, there's a new uh, place opened in Rathmines. Bog Sauce Foods just opened. Um, there's a new place in Dundrum called The Good Neighbour, uh, opened by Jess. Um, it's you know, so there are places where you can go just bring you know your regular canvas bag and you know your containers and and fill up and no plastic. So I think you know there are instances though like let's say I think cucumbers is one where you know it, it won't last more than like four or five days if it's out of plastic. Um, I must say I hate looking at a cucumber. I call it uh, like a cucumber in a condom you know. Yeah. <coughs> it, you know it's ridiculous. You know? It is. It is. It but has a perfectly yeah. good skin on it though. It does it. but it, uh, they're one of the ones where they have um, they have tried it without the plastic and uh, I actually get mine without plastic from Green Earth Organics um, but it, it certainly like by the end of the week when I'm due for my next lot it's definitely starting to look a bit more tired than the, the one that is organic that comes in plastic from Tesco's or a super value but yeah so it's just an education piece and I think that is buy what you can that's not wrapped in plastic but also just refill it's about reusing like avoiding like it's like you go and get a croissant and you know there's the plastic bag and you've used it for 30 seconds and then you're putting it in the bin like the, that's the piece where I think people just take a bag with you it doesn't it's not rocket science and just pop your croissant into the bag and then wash it out later like it, yeah I've had to train my husband on that but he's, he's getting much better <laughs> and you know but I mean you've all those trips out I mean you think it's going to take time to bring a bag but then you think I'm going to save on the other end I'm not running out to the to the green bin putting bits of plastic in it all absolutely. the time absolutely yeah I mean I think like we do put our black bin out, but I mean, I probably get a very small plastic bag of soft plastics like a week, maybe a month even sometimes. Um, and we're actually cutting up our soft plastics to go into eco bricks as well. So we did a garden in bloom last year to raise awareness along with the Girl Guides and it was called Pledge Against Plastic. One of the things we did was start making uh, a bench out of eco bricks. So an eco brick, bizarrely, is actually a bottle. Uh, it's normally a two litre fizzy pot bottle. The irony, I know. Um, it's then filled with um, soft plastic that you can cut up. So that might be like chocolate wrappers or, you know, like the croissant wrapper we just talked about, those kind of things. And you chop it up really small and then you shove it into the bottle and you can get like about two or three black sacks worth into one bottle. Then the bottle goes rock hard. And then you you sort of tessellate the, the bottles together, and um, yeah. What does you, tessellate mean? Oh, so it means that you can in, you can um, match the, the 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 patterns up so that they can like create seats, or you can turn them okay. upside down. Like Pac-Man. They, yeah, exactly, and they fit into each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so actually, the Seal Rescue Centre down in Gorey um, are accepting um, eco bricks. I think Pat from Reusey, who's great, um, she does a great online store. Um, for all things reusable and sustainable, uh, she takes them as well. So, uh, and Seal Rescue are taking our bench that we made last year and they're going to turn it into a sofa with all their extra bricks. So, so you're yeah. inspiring lots of young women in the Girl Guides <laughs> as well. So I'm sure they're taking lots of lessons from that as well. What can people do and what can women do in particular, um, you know, to, to take some leadership in this, even at, you know, their own parish level or county level or group level? Yeah, I think 
If you're already involved in a tidy towns or a community or a guides or you already have some kind of men's sheds, whatever it can be, actually, does I mean, the women definitely have a role to play, um, but I think it has to be across the wider community. So if you already have a group, um, chances are, I think they're already taking action. Um, but it's to look to your wider circle. Don't think that you can do this by yourself it's it's to look at where you can I mean this big resources page actually on Earthology's website where it gives you like lots of tips and tricks and books and things you can read I would definitely start by reading up Mary Robinson's book is a great place to start but also There's No Planet B by Mike Berners-Lee is a great um, resource um, there are so many now actually in terms of and actually uh, Dr. Tara Shine Changed by Degrees also has a book coming out in April um, so there are some great leaders in the space and that's a good way to start um and then I would say it's to speak to people who, like myself, who can give you a direction, you know, what I mean, point you in mm. the right direction of where else you can go and what to do next. But I would say, you know, it doesn't matter where you start, be that with a local litter pick or, you know, with trying to get your, you know, like we were trying to get tearing your um, straw free, you know, plastic straw free, all this kind of stuff, all those dang things. Um, it's just starting on that journey. I was just thinking about the, the whole cars. You were mentioning cars and electric cars earlier and also mm. the, that idea in Malahide. Great idea. Mm-hmm. But I got a bike on the bike to work scheme here mm-hmm. uh, last year mm-hmm. and I did it two or three times and it was just felt so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So unless they start providing uh, lanes and, and drivers start being a bit more respectful to cyclists yeah. because you take your life in your hands. You feel like you're doing that when you take your bike out on the street. Yeah, well, I have to say, I suppose I, I lived in Holland for two years. So before I came here, so when I moved here, it didn't occur to me to do anything other than cycle everywhere. Now, to be fair, when I first started, I was a bit unnerved by the fact that, yes, you're not segregated properly from the traffic. But I think if you go properly dressed up, you have your busy vest, your helmet, you have some really bright lights you know, cycle like, you know, you are allowed to be there. I think if you're kind of over to the pavement and you're kind of a little bit worried and, you know, you have to be confident, I think. Okay, so take the space. Yeah, in your cycling, yeah. And then the drivers will give you space because they see you're further out from the curb and they have to think, okay, I'm going to have to indicate to go around this person or whatever. So, you know, I'm a driver and a cyclist, um, but I think probably a cyclist and a walker first. So that's the way my mind definitely works. I think, you know, it depends on your commute and what the journey is like for you. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of, let's say, fur where the cyclists, I have the full kit. I went to the AIB thing in my full wet gear and it was it was absolutely yeah, it was blowing a hoolie and it was awful. But I went to the bathroom, I took off all my kit, um, I put it into a bag and like uh, the traffic, I mean, the traffic that I beat, I felt so, yeah, yeah, I felt quite smug actually. <laughs> because and sometimes, you know, if you're driving and you see a cyclist and you go past them and then five minutes later you're at a lights, they're caught up with you. Exactly. And they do get there yeah. quicker sometimes. Yeah, and often if you look up on the likes of uh, Google Maps, it will tell you, you know, if you look at it, it's going to take me half an hour in the car it's going to take me, you know, 31 minutes on the bike. So and then you've done your exercise for the day. Exercise and your steps. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Now, I've got a crow to pluck with you. Mm -hmm. At Christmas, you made a great speech (laughs) just before Christmas to the Leos about um, things that they could, you know, do to have a a more sustainable Christmas. Mm -hmm. Really useful information like the wrapping, making your own cards Mm -hmm. and not buying selection boxes. I didn't buy one. I was a really good (laughs) girl this year. Great. It was great. I actually kept looking at them kind of like if anybody else was buying one, I felt like going over and say, do you? 
you now? <laughs> I didn't. I held back on that usually. Um, but you said, um, you know, when it comes to uh, mail, uh, you know, when you get that email in, you know, what do you do about that? Do you unsubscribe? Do you delete? Because I can see on your own website you have signed up for our newsletter, which I'm yes. sure is really good. So what's your advice there and, and why does that make a difference to the environment? So the carbon footprint of spam is estimated at something like 330 million cars on the road. So that is through you know, the energy that it takes for the person's computer to send that email, to draw the email up in the first place, um, then for it to be sent, for it to be stored on all of these um, digital hubs. You know, I mean, they're stored mainly on, on the cloud. So I'm sure there are plenty of people listening out there who have got newsletters that they subscribe to that they just hit delete but they don't need in the first place. You know, it might be something you subscribe to when somebody said, oh, get this free offer and you signed up for it. But actually, subsequently, you don't use it or it's not of interest anymore. It's cluttering so up your email inbox as well. It's cluttering up your email box, for sure. I mean, it, it depends on your filtering system. A lot of them just go straight to spam anyway. But I would argue that it's better to have a look in your spam, uh, see what's there, and then just unsubscribe because it's better that it doesn't come to you in the first place. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So unsubscribe unless it's from Earthology. <laughs> no, if it's from Earthology or from, uh, you know, B Corps or it's about the UN SDGs. Or, uh, Speaking of UN SDGs, mm -hmm. that's not a communicable disease or anything. What is SDGs? <laughs> I see you have a lovely little fawn or a little ring there with um, it looks like a colourful polo mint. Tell me yes. what that is. Yeah, yeah. So this is the pin for the UN SDGs, the 17 uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and... This is a blueprint for business uh, to be more sustainable. There are uh, 17 goals and, and they for people cover, generally. Yeah, and they yeah. cover everything. And they we talked about this earlier, but like they do need to be embedded in uh, education uh, because the more people that learn about these, this is a blueprint for Europe, I suppose, and the world to be more sustainable. It's about ending world hunger, ending poverty. Now, these things sound like lofty goals. Very lofty. Um, but when you break it down, um, there are things that people can be working on. So you might be um, a scientist or you might be in a kind of um, medical research facility and you're working on vaccines. That's actually part of the goals. So there are plenty of ways in which companies can align themselves. Um, like So education is, I think, number four. Um, and that's decent education for everyone. So that's, you know, about maybe what other, like, you know, further in education institutes can be doing to educate people across the board about the UN SDGs, but then also about what they can do potentially in those countries that don't have them as well. So if, if, if anyone is thinking about the UN SDGs, they're a great way of an international, let's say, stamp of approval to say, look, I am working towards these goals. Um, they do need to be you know, measurable, so smart goals. They need to be, you need to have looked at, okay, if you're going to look at like life on land or life on water, then you need to be looking at, okay, what's my baseline? What what water did we use last year? Where can we be making changes? So because if you don't take that baseline at the beginning, you're not going to know how you improved. Um, and then you can't communicate that to your um, employees. Um, so do you think strategic development goals should be on the agenda for every meeting in every company? 
Absolutely. Um, I think it should it be up in every school so people know what it is. I think so. I think people need to. I think some children I have seen some education facilities are doing this, but not enough. It's been well thought out. It's a great process to work through. And there are lots of different goals that can be relevant to lots of people. And I think when people look at it, it's like it's this minefield. But once you start reading into it, you can see how you can apply it to your own business for sure. Okay, I'm nearly finished because we're nearly out of time. But just tell me, what would you say your leadership tips would be for women or for men, but basically for women and to to make them uh, ecologically sound? Yeah, so I think we need to develop the leaders of the future. Um, And those key things are, just to go back to the beginning, is collaboration. Um, We need to have individuals who are not afraid to reach out to their competitors. If you look at, like, for example, RAP in the UK, this is the Plastics Pact, you know, it's signed up to by, you know, Nestle, all of the kind of, you know, the, the, it's all competitors who are on it, but they're all sharing information. Okay, who's got the best biodegradable, compostable, who's working here? How can we share information? So collaboration is key. Um, next up, I think, is communication. Um it needs to be communicated in a way that it's a positive message. I think at the moment we have, you know, it started, I suppose, you know, with polar bears on tiny little icebergs and all this kind of thing, which, you know, is not relevant to people. They don't understand. The bushfires in Australia, it's getting there, but we still need for more. um, There's actually a thing where people are looking at generating different images of climate change um, so that people it's more relevant to people so communication is key Um, then I think it's about dreaming big but starting small like you need to have a radical have a radical future vision of what this could look like you know it's not a lot of it's not rocket science but it is stuff that we need to do Um, and then I think inspire like inspiring the next generation, inspiring your management and your your team to be able to do more. And again, this can be just by taking those small little steps and you say, oh, but this was great because, you know, I didn't need I didn't need to have the disposable coffee cup, 22,000 coffee cups, disposable coffee cups. There's a feel good factor about it all as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, there is absolute feel good factor. And I think it's too inspire people to say that it doesn't matter if okay one time you forget your cup like you know no one's gonna you know shame you I think that's the key thing Um, and then strategy I think when businesses align their strategic objectives with sustainability um, that's when you start to see you know, real change, and and that that's going to be the key to success, and that's actually the key to unlocking that thirty six trillion dollar economy that I was talking about. When you really start to align what you're doing, what your purpose is, with the future of the world and how it's going to work, is that's when you start to see results. Sarah, do you ever get fed up and think, oh my God, it's it's helpless when you you know you walk on, you see a river polluted, or you see a big pile of fly tipped plastic or you just see somebody just willfully throwing away a plastic bottle or you see a government doing something dreadful. Do you ever get despondent? No, I see opportunity. I think people who are in the business like myself um, and people who've been in it for years and who've been banging this drum for a, for a long, long time um, and have had to try and sell it in a different way are now 
reinvigorated and they see that change is coming and that people are a lot more open to it. So no, it's, yeah, even my daughter yesterday, she was like, mommy, there's a Coke can blowing across the road. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, well, you have to stay here and I'll, and I'll go and get it, you know, but now they're used to me picking up litter on the street and bringing it home, and putting it in the bin, but it's, but they see it as well. It's like, okay, I've got to go and get that. I'm like, yeah, let's wait for the cars. Um, so <laughs> your role model. If there were bikes, it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So if you do ever get, I'm sure you must get a down day now and again what mm. sort of song or music do you kind of say to yourself to kind of <laughs> yeah. boost yourself up uh, yeah well I did have two but I think we'll just stick with the, oh tell me both of them well I suppose one that we did play before Christmas actually was the you know Louis Armstrong What a Wonderful World uh, but I think you have to play it uh, with the David Attenborough movie in the, in the background because when you see the beauty around us and the biodiversity and that we rely on to live like this is a fundamental one's like oh look at those beautiful birds it's terrible it's going extinct actually to me that's a plus but you know people need to know that without bees we are not going to have food so you know we really rely on nature if you think about all the you know cancer drugs that are yet to be discovered I, there was some student who discovered a drug um, that could be used for cancer that was actually off a bramble bush um, and that's in, in Ireland. So, you know, we need to keep the flora and fauna for sure. Um, so I really love that song. And then um, this is a slightly strange one. Um, it's uh, actually Anna Kendrick from the Trolls movie. Uh, and I will get back up again uh, because it's great. And it's, it's just resilience. Yeah. It's about resilience. And it's about, yeah, you have a bad day. But you know what? I will get back up again and I will go at it again tomorrow. Sarah, thank you so much for being our guest on the Women in Leadership podcast. Uh, you're an inspiration and I hope you continue to be an inspiration to people. You do go out and give lectures and talks and strategy to companies. Where can people find out more about you? Absolutely. So earthology.ie is our website. And yes, that's exactly what we do to inspire people to get started on their journey is talks, workshops, strategy. We can help get green teams started and certainly help with policy, strategy and you know, getting the message out there, get the positive message out. So you've your website, are you on Twitter or yeah, LinkedIn or yeah, where else are you? Yeah, we're on Twitter as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's where I just put the Mary Robinson video up, actually, uh, was on Twitter. Um, we're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So, as yeah. Earthology. Yeah, as Earthology. Yeah. Sarah Blake, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you very much. Well, my thanks to Sarah Blake for being an inspiring guest this week on the Women in Leadership podcast. It's so easy to leave environmental concerns to others. But I think Sarah's suggestion of starting small but dreaming big is one to remember and to bring into our daily lives. We all have to stay positive and to do our bit to save the planet. You can find out more about this podcast on the website womeninleadership.ie and check out our back catalogue of interviews with various women on all sorts of topics. If you have a suggestion for us, please email us on info at womeninleadership.ie or via the website form. Send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you and from all our listeners all over the world. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and at Leading Women Pod on Twitter. Until the next time, goodbye from me, Angie Mazzetti and all of the Women in Leadership podcast team. 